Next on MLR Weekly, head coach Alan Clark of the undefeated Seawolves. The best weekend recap in Major League Rugby. Brian Ray of America's Rugby News with stunning predictions. And MLR Headlines with John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning. Rugby Wrap-Ups MLR Weekly brought to you by Sheehy Auto Stores. It's easy at Sheehy. The Pig & Whistle, New York City. The world's best rugby pub. And Lean and Limber, stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. Presented by Rugby Wrap-Up, Matt McCarthy in New York City. Thank you for joining us. We don't think you'll be disappointed. We've got a good show. We've got a couple of superstars in the league, hopefully. We have the coach of the Seattle Seawolves, Alan Clark, and Brian Ray of America's Rugby News with a perfect preview of what's ahead. We have a rousing rapid recap, but before we get to any of that, we have our recurring segment, Rugby Morning's Coffee Break with John Fitzpatrick, not Fitzgerald, giving us... MLR headlines. John, why the long face? What do you got for us? Do or do not. There is no try, said Yoda, the TMO official. But let's start in Chicago, where round six finished prematurely. Matt, I'm sure you know all about that. But a first for MLR, a game was called at halftime. The hometown Chicago Hounds trailed 27 to five to the Seattle Seawolves when a lightning storm moved into the area, called off the game at halftime. Certainly need to protect the players on the field and the fans in the stadium, but Matt, does Seattle have a legitimate gripe that they didn't have a chance to go out there in the second half and score a fourth try, which would have added another valuable table point? Yeah, they've got a legitimate gripe. The Chicago Hounds have a legitimate gripe. 40 minutes of rugby, anything can happen. And the fans have the biggest gripe. They're there. They're at the stadium. They're Chicagoans. They should have delayed that cancellation notice longer because the sun did come out. If they waited another 15 minutes, it would have been fine. And everybody's already there. They have plenty of cover. It's a beautiful stadium, a great facility. They have drink. They have food. Big. I'm just flummoxed by that. Next. Yeah, I agree. MLB does, you know, rain delays for seemingly like two hours. Games ends at three in the morning. The Chicago Hounds and SeaKeek Stadium couldn't come together and extend that just a little bit longer. Yeah. Player milestones. Three more players have reached 50 MLR appearances. Chicago Hounds center Marco O'Keefe. Longtime Houston Sabercat. Zach Pantjalinen, who's capped for the Eagles, sevens and 15 squad. Imagine where he's born. Guam. Next! Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> and it's Houston Sabre Cats teammate Dean Muir, who was fresh off paternity leave. So according to MLR, we now have had 40 players who have made 50 appearances in MLR. Not easy to do. Again, accolades to those players. And like Mark O'Keefe, I used to work in Chicago. In an old department store. Next! From longevity to youth, congrats to Toronto Arrows fullback Brendan Black at the age of 18 years, 10 months, and 27 days at Black became the youngest player to start a Major League Rugby match. Matt, let's hop on the time machine, travel back to when you were 18 years old. Had Webb Ellis picked up a soccer ball and invented rugby yet? 
No, but we were uh, bloodletting and putting leeches on on wounds. Next! And in case you missed it, friend of the show, San Diego Legion, great guy, Ryan Mattias, was named the Director of Player Development for his alma mater, the University of Arizona Wildcats men's rugby team. Kudos to Ryan for the new gig. He's still playing in MLR, by the way, don't worry. And the Wildcats just became an increasingly better organization with the addition of that fine man, Mr. Ryan Mattias. Next! Matt, that's all I got for you. Thank you, Mr. John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning's Coffee Break. Now, before we bring in our guests and Brian Ray with his predictions, let's look back at what we saw last week, beginning with, in the nation's capital, two teams that were left for dead battled for pivotal footholds on their climb back into contention. The visiting Nola Gold faced off against a stubborn Old Glory side. For the home team, Bonilla Diaz was excellent with the foot, but it was Renaissance man J.P. Duplessis, a rampaging redhead named Tom Florence, a nifty behind-the-back no-look pass from the ageless Cam Dolan, and a knock-on at death by Washington that allowed New Orleans to steal the win 20-17. to Another key point was earned in the loss by Washington, however, and they have a game in hand. The winless and wounded Dallas Jackals went into Quincy, Massachusetts, seeking their first ever franchise win. After heartbreak loss after heartbreak loss, the Jackals were poised to get their first victory at the expense of the T-Sippers. But it was deja vu all over again as Dallas fumbled away more opportunities, barely, than New England, and once again turned the ball over deep in the opposition's territory at death to squander yet another victory. All Chowder heads exhaled in relief as their team held on by one point, 10 to nine. In the snowy mountains of Utah, the Toronto Arrows were firing on all cylinders, taking a halftime lead into the locker room. Whatever was said in the Warriors changing room though, worked as it was all Utah in the second half. The telling moment came when gutsy Sam Malcolm tried to tackle Lance Williams, who steamrolled him. Williams then dished off to off the bench Paul Lasique, AKA the speeding Zamboni, hockey reference for Canadian fans, who slammed his way into the try zone. That changed the complexion of the match as the home team went on to vanquish the team from north of the border. Utah wins 47-19. Down in Houston, AKA Space City, the Sabercats welcomed Rugby ATL into the Cats Meow, trademark. Atlanta needed a bounce back performance, but did not get it as the Sabercats clawed their way to a big lead and never looked back. Atlanta, however, did get a key bonus point in the loss as time expired which could become crucial at the end of the season in a very tight Eastern Conference. Houston wins 40 to 28. In the Windy City, a great crowd and sunshine, yes, sunshine, could not keep the Seattle Seawolves from taking a 22-5 halftime lead over the hometown Hounds. Surely the Chicagoans would regroup and make a game of it in the second half as the visitors fought for a bonus point victory, right? Wrong. 
All that went out the window as Mother Nature had other ideas and the game was canceled because of thunder and lightning. If they had waited another 15 minutes, they would have been able to continue under the re-emerging sun that instead warmed all the faces at the post-match drink-up. Seattle wins this one 22-5, but really, everyone lost. With that, let's regroup, take a quick break, and come back with Seattle Seawolves head coach, Alan Clark. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig and Whistle, on West 36th Street. This is the Rugby Odds, where an unlikely pundit panel of a wordsmith, a WWE legend, a rugby star, and a supermodel scour the globe, seeking best bets and bad behavior. Are you not entertained? We are back, and we are back with the coach of the Seattle Seawolves, Alan Clark. Alan, welcome to MLR Weekly. Thanks for having me on your show today. Fantastic to be here. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And it's I see you you look, you've got a little bit of a smile or a little bit of an easy look to you this this morning. Could it be with could it have anything to do with your team being undefeated? Uh, it's, more, it's more to do with being on your show for the first time. So uh, <laughs> most people who know me, it's it's difficult to get me to smile. So well done to you. Uh, well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And and you know maybe we can we can uh, go back to your roots a little bit in Ulster, and we could. Uh, what are your predictions on the Heineken Cup for your former team? Well, uh, big one this week, obviously, probably against one of the best, if not the current best club side in the world. Um, and that's a big statement, but Johnny Sexton won't be playing, so there's going to be a chink in the Leinster armour. Um, Ulster will know that they have to be at their absolute best to get something done there and get the result that we all wish for them. Certainly if you're a a proud Ulster man, as you can see behind me, I've got a map, yeah. of, a map of Ulster from way back. But um, yeah, it's, it's I think it's going to be a fantastic advert for Irish rugby, which is on the crest of a wave at present. All right, well, we can now segue with the Irish stuff because there's green in your uniforms with Seattle, and I don't know if Balfour has anything to do with that or it's just the the Seahawks and Seattle thing, but you guys are perfect on the season, and it has been consistency throughout your season so far from my point of view. I suppose I, I would say we've been very good. I, I get we're perfect in terms of winning uh, v loss, and look, we're I'm very satisfied with where we are. Uh, pleased with uh, our growth as a team and as a club. Um, but I think our biggest strength currently is that we all realise there's more in us. The good thing is that we know. Uh, what the game and the potential for our performance is, is going to look like. And we're working hard to deliver. And I'm a big credit to the player group because they don't get too far ahead of themselves and they set high standards for themselves. And I know, you know, from a coach's standpoint, there's always room for improvement, but from a fan standpoint and watching it's, it seems like it's a team that's playing cohesively and playing smart rugby. Yeah, at the weekend, we were very good in those 40 minutes at playing in the right areas of the field. 
uh, and we're really our game appreciations improved greatly. Um, our collective understanding is improving, um, and I felt we we delivered in that regard. Um, but we, you know, as I say, we've got a very ambitious group, and they know that there's plenty left in us. We would say we're about thirty, sorry, sixty percent of uh, where where we are and where we can get to. Now you've got teams heating up in the West, and you've got some teams in the East beating up on each other, but you've got San Diego and Houston and yourselves as the, the cream of the crop, as far as uh, us experts, us so-called experts are saying. But you you got a big game this weekend. You're going into NOLA, and yeah. believe it or not, the early line is that they have NOLA as the favorites. Yeah, and that's, that's understandable. Um, the, How the heck is that understandable? Well, they've guys gone, are undefeated. They, they've gone three in a row. Um, and I am really pleased to hear that, by the way. So it takes a little, uh, little part, maybe a little locker room fodder for the boys, right? Uh, yeah, and our boys have responded to that. I, you know, the competition amongst all teams is, uh, is getting closer, even though some of the scoreboards at the weekend maybe didn't show it. But you look at Dallas' performance against the Free Jacks, you know, there's one point in it. Oof. Um, oh, yeah, indeed. Um, but you know, what they have is spirit. And, you know, Nola in their own backyard uh, with our travel and one thing or another, there, there are a number of things that we have to negotiate uh, and do well this week. Uh, and we've got to focus on ourselves and control what we can control. Um, and in that regard, I, I'm under no doubt that this is a, a tough game. So they play a really nice brand of rugby and... Equally like ourselves, they've got the uh, quality right across the field. Let's go back to last week, though, quickly. Game suspended after halftime. What, what was your take on that? In truth, there was frustration, particularly amongst you know the whole squad, because we felt we were playing some of our best rugby of the season, and we're really looking forward to that second half. Yeah. Having the opportunity, I'm not saying it would happen, none of us know, but having the opportunity to... Uh, get a bonus point win but who knows um, and you know um, I'd read an article the night before about the travesty in, in Rolling Fork in Mississippi and you know I just reflected on that with the boys and that's where our hearts went we, yeah. we felt blessed um, and that's what we spoke about in the sheds um, so we just dealt with it boys put on some music and then when we got the final confirmation, yeah, as I say, there was frustration, but equally we realized job done. So how beneficial is it for you? And this is probably the, the, a dumb question, but as a former international player, to have that experience and now you can translate it into the coaching position. Yeah, I think it, you know, it's experience which has come from different walks of life for me, different employment and um, when I was a younger coach, I felt it was important to know everything about the game, and it is. Uh, but now as an older coach, it's actually more important to understand people and understand your group. Um, and through that management and leadership, if you wish, um, you can remain consistent. Um, and it, it very much is like being a, a swan or an ugly duckling on top of the water depending on what you prefer. Um, and you've got to have that calm exterior uh, control. You've got to provide 
precision and clarity and a concise. You're not taking apart a water cooler. <laughs> no, exactly. And you know, there are in my private time, I, you know, we all want to hit a punch bag at times. Uh, we all want to rant and you know maybe release some of that frustration that you have, whether through performance um, or certain conditions that you have to contend with. But ultimately, uh, if you're losing your head, you can't expect your players to um, be, you know, showing that calmness and coolness under pressure. And you know, you got to deal with what you control in life. And I, I do feel we're very blessed in sport. Um, and I, I take a lot of uh, pleasure in reminding young men that you know, don't count the days, make the days count. That's a, it's a, I like that. I as like Muhammad, that. as Muhammad Ali, it's one of my favorite quotes. I, I, I share it with my mother who's 82 years of age and she's a warrior. Um, but you know, she's she's a fair bit of pain to contend with in life. And I do remind her that I know mom, but you know, you we're blessed in terms of the days that we've had on this planet. Ali the greatest, putting it in perspective. Uh, before I let you go, I gotta ask you a couple of questions because you seem like you know your stuff. Is Rucky a a puffin? What 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 is what is he? Exactly. Hey, Rocky is one of the best things, and I'll call it that, but he is one of the best uh, composite animals that I've ever met in my life. Uh, it's an evolved species. Indeed. All right. And we um, on our other program, The Rugby Odds, John Bradshaw Layfield, the WWE wrestler, has a thing going on with Rocky where earlier he was threatening to, to grill him and make barbecue sushi out of him to now he is wearing your Seattle Seawolves jersey and he has a stuffed version of Rucky on the show. The way th the bedfellows that rugby makes is, is just crazy. I love it. Uh, the, the soul of Rocky is uh, very special and Rocky will know what I mean by that. So when you when you were hooking for Ireland, did you ever think that you'd be talking about a Rucky in a, in a professional setup in the United States? I never thought I'd be in the United States actually coaching rugby, but do you, um, Chicago is the first city I landed in, Matt, in 1994. Wow. Uh, I was on the last amateur tour, end of season tour with Northampton Saints, and we had a ball. And I actually, when I walked into Seat Creek Stadium or Seat Geek Stadium, yes. I, I realized that I coached Ireland either when we beat Argentina in the Churchill Cup in 2008. Oh, wow. Um, Guess who was fly half that day? Johnny Sexton. No kidding. Yeah. So small Man. world, small world. Chicago's, uh, the people of Chicago were brilliant. I actually haven't met as many Irish people in my life, even in Ireland, in the round of rugby game. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> people from all walks of Ireland. Uh, well, they die of the river green. I mean, you got, wow, you know, that, know, that's an indication right there, right? I know it was fantastic afterwards. And, you know, I spoke to the Chicago, uh, I spoke, we, James English and I spoke on behalf of both clubs after the, after the game. And, you know, I, I did stress that it takes time to build a club and I have no doubt rugby will grow. It's fantastic that rugby is, has come to Chicago and I, I have no doubt that, you know, the club will get um, and be a team to contend with in the future. I agree. Final question before I let you go. Who's better, Houston or San Diego? Um, oh, 
I'll tell I don't you. Know that, I don't know if that counts as an answer. I'll I'll tell you at the end of the season. Oh, you're good. You how do you keep an idiot in suspense? I'll tell you later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Coach, thanks for your time. Much appreciated. Appreciate it. You too, Matt. All the best. All right. That's Coach Alan Clark of the Seattle Seawolves who are vying for yet another final. We'll be right back after this. When we pick up the ball, we also pick up a legacy. A legacy that stretches beyond your current team. A legacy built on the backs of those who came before you with hard work. And for those who will come after you, we promise it won't be easy. But we'll be there, supporting you on and off the field. Rugby news with what's going to be an exceptional preview. But Brian, I noticed that you're all kitted out in New England Free Jacks gear, and you're sitting in front of what was the uh, annihilation of the Toronto Arrows by the Utah Warriors. Yeah, well, just got back from uh, a little visit to Boston, so I gotta rep the Free Jacks a little bit. Uh, thanks for their hospitality. It's hospitality. It was a brilliant time down there, and hey. You got to respect Utah. That's why we've got the hat on here. So uh, that uh, stunning second half against Toronto really getting the job done. So, so there you go, Brian. What, what's your takeaway? We got Friday Night Lights, Utah Warriors hosting your New England Free Jacks. Uh, this is going to be a, a terrific match. I mean, this might be the match of the weekend. Maybe. I mean, Utah just came out firing in that second half against Toronto. Really, I mean, that explosion at the end of the last what 15, 20 minutes of the match was just bonkers. Uh, Joe Mano absolutely on fire. Everything he touched in that game, he was just, uh, he was ridiculous. I'm standing. I'm, I'm certain that uh, Scott Lawrence uh, was taking some notes uh, after that performance. But And New England, uh, conversely, probably not one of their best matches in the rain against Dallas. But you got to give Dallas some credit. I mean, they were just, you know, they were fighting for every scrap in that game and tactically you know they knew what they wanted to do they were just kicking uh upfield all the game and they almost got the win so the big difference for me in this one is defense i just think new england are a better tighter team in defense uh, you know they only gave up they didn't give up any tries at all against dallas so i think their defense is going to win this on the road against a tough explosive dangerous utah side but you know i also by the way saw some trick moves that new england might pull out in this one so utah defense do your homework Okay. All right. The next one up on Saturday night, Dallas welcoming in your Toronto Arrows. Dallas fans, I would buy a ticket for this if I were you. If there was ever a game to show up for to see Dallas play, it's this one. Uh, They lost by two points two weeks ago. They lost by one point last week. This is the game. This is the game. And it's, it's, you know, maybe appropriate or disappointing, whatever you want to say, that it's Toronto who's going to be the victim. But this is going to be the one. Dallas are just heading into this as the better side. Toronto were, were smashed to bits in that final quarter against you. They couldn't even put together a full 23. I don't know if anybody noticed, but they didn't have a match day 23 uh, against Utah. Um, and they got a couple more injuries in that game. I mean, the injury list is it's horrific. So it's going to be the Crazy. Arrows Academy basically going up against Dallas. Streak is over. I'm calling it. Dallas is going to win this weekend. I concur. Chicago hosting Houston. First of the kickoff 
uh, uh, match of the four matches on Sunday. Chicago, they only played a half. Yeah, they'll be well rested, won't they? Unless they were running from the lightning. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, disappointing for fans. That would have been fun to see that second half. But yeah, Chicago at home against a very, very tough uh, Houston side. I just, man, they look impressive right now, don't they? I mean, they're. Uh, I, I just think they're they're too strong. And Chicago, as we saw, they're just not gelling yet. They had a few bobbles. They didn't look all put together in that half against Seattle. You know, move going forward, the running lines just weren't quite there yet. And uh, so I just think uh, Houston is too strong at this stage. I concur. Again, New York and Atlanta in what could be labeled as a must-win for both teams as per the postseason. Two teams that did not look good in their last outings, did they? Um, I, I think this is really must win for New York. I mean, they're already two and three. You don't want to get to two and four if you're the defending champions. And I'm sure they're feeling the heat a bit. Uh, I just don't know what else ATL can bring in to this game. Uh, I mean, it doesn't look like Biddle's going to be back immediately. That looked like at least a couple weeks off. You know, I don't know the severity of his injury, but it certainly didn't look like something who's going to come back straight away. And he's just such a key component to, the, to their attack. You know, I, I just think they look a little bit rigid. Um, I got to go with New York in this one. I, I just think that they're going to they're gonna fire back. They're going to find a little bit of form. They've had some time now to rest, uh, to get ready for this one. So uh, got to go with New York at home. Brian Nola welcoming in the Seawolves. Three wins in a row now for Nola. Starting to look like a, a team that knows how to win a little bit with that game uh, against D.C. I mean, they weren't, again, more perfect, but certainly they... Uh, you look impressive. Rodney Iona is really uh, sparking that attack. Uh, Luke Campbell as well, the two halfbacks. So uh, I think they're a dangerous side, uh, a reborn side almost. But uh, man, Seattle unbeaten. And Alatimu, AJ Alatimu is just playing lights out as well. So the two Samoan internationals going head to head, potentially. I mean, maybe Jordan Chait starts, but I think you got to go with the hot hand and go with Alatimu, right? So Seattle, they're on the road though. So you know, going down to, to that humidity down in New Orleans. Boy, this is a tough one to call. Um, I think you got to go Seattle in, in NOLA, but I think this is going to be a close one. I don't think this is going to be a, a blowout by any means. San Diego hosting Old Glory, the nation's team crossing the, the continent to go into Snap, oh, Snap Dragon Stadium and the Legion coming off a bye. You know, Old Glory, it did okay against uh, Nola. Certainly they were in that game. I mean, three points was nothing. And they were knocking on the door right at the end. I mean, all they needed, you know, a penalty. They could have tied it, kicked to the corner, whatever. So, uh, you know, it was certainly a close one. We knew it was going to be close. Um, I, I just don't know if Old Glory has the tools to win this one. I mean, after losing Stan South for the season, which is a terrible blow for them. I mean, that really hurts their line out. And when you're going up against Ben Grant and Isaac Ross and, uh, you know, maybe Tom Franklin is fit. He's got a little bit of a back uh, issue right now, but he's got to be in there at some point. I mean, their line out is, is pretty imposing. Uh, so I just think that uh, I think San Diego is just a better team. And at home, they're going to be fired up. They're going to be rested. Got to go with the Legion in this one. You know, it's, it's almost as unfair as, um, Sam Malcolm trying to tackle Paul Asike in the open field. Brian, final thoughts. Yeah, here we are into the, the meat of the season, really, aren't we? We're, you know, 18 weeks and we're through six. So that's the first third done. And, and now we're into the heavy stuff. Some teams are a little bit beaten up. And uh, and here we go. It's going to get exciting. So uh, looking forward to another weekend of rugby. And uh, 
again, if we could just tweak the schedule just a little bit to be a little bit nicer on people who want to watch more than one game, you know, on the weekend, come on, guys, throw us a bone here. They'll get there. They'll get there. On that note, we're out of time. I want to thank Mr. Brian Ray of America's Rugby News. I want to thank Mr. John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning's Coffee Break. I want to thank Mr. Mark O'Keefe of Chicago. Thank you for tuning in. Please check out our other shows, including the Rugby Odds, the College Rugby Wrap-Up. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Join our weekly newsletter. And please, please, please sign up for our American Red Cross Blood Donor Team.